With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. My name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Victory night, buddy. You were incorrect. I am so glad that I was incorrect, Brian. You don't even know. Victory night, victory beers. Hey! Hokies win 42-35 over Louisville. And kind of, I want to say kind of a strange game because the, the the end total is seven, but you feel like, you know, it was kind of a roller coaster ride. It was, we were up, then they came back, and just kind of wild. Um, Brian, you know, Halloween, which COVID Halloween, a little different, uh, probably for both of us this year. I know me and the fam went over to the in-laws, and the kids played some games, and, you know, we made homemade pizzas, which were money. Hey, <laughs> we did the same thing, dude. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. So, and then we went to a few of the, just a couple of their local neighbors' houses and got bags of candy. And my mother-in-law has so much candy at her house right now. Like, we don't, we didn't really need to go trick or treating. But so, y'all had homemade pizza too. Homemade pizza. I've had some. Uh... Some meatballs, and just kind of did a uh, little little trick or treating around the neighborhood. There was a couple of houses that had some some candy at. Then we came back and we had uh, bags of candy that we kind of put together uh, with glow sticks, and we kind of spread them out in the neighbor's backyard and let the kids kind of go, almost have like a Halloween Easter egg hunt type deal. Nice man, nice. Um, I will say this. And, and, and I hope this will go on after COVID. Something, and I, I think it happened in our neighborhood, even though we weren't here tonight. I think people didn't wait at their doors. I know in my in-law's neighborhood, everybody had a table set up. Some people had their fire pits at the road. Other people had their decorations. I hope that continues, man, because it was nice the kids could walk up and see a face and not have to worry about opening the door. If, if they do that in our neighborhood, we would hit triple the houses because you 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 went with us a couple of years ago. Yeah, you lose so much time going to the door. Oh yeah. Where <laughs> if they're at the end of their driveway, it'd be like, "Trick or treat!" Thank you. Next house, let's go. 
it's true, man. I mean, if, if more people just even just hang out in your driveway, even if you're not right at right at the road. Yeah. So it was still a great time. We came home, watched Hocus Pocus, and now I'm sitting here talking to you, watching some highlights. And let's just start it, Brian. Hokies offense today. Mr. Perfect himself. Hey. Hooker. 10 for 10. 183 yards. He had 68 on the ground on 19 carries. Three rushing touchdowns. Now, early, I texted you this. He was playing balls out. I mean, in, in recklessly in some ways being risky, including losing that fumble. But it seems like, you know, not losing the fumble, but losing the fumble, but we recovered. Yeah. But he kind of reined it and got more control back to the hand than we know. Um, real quick, since he only had 10 passes, I want to hit the receiver lines. Trey Turner, great day, four for 71 through the air, two rushes for 10 yards, one touchdown. Savion Robinson, two for 53 with a 28-yard rush. Big Stone Gap, three for 46. Nick Gallo, one for 13. But, I mean, you kind of hit on it earlier, Brian, back and forth in texting. Early on, short intermediate route, some screens. And the game went along, everything opened up. Where the hell was this last week, and what else did you see in the passing game today, Brian? The passing game, I, like, I'll, I'll say this. The calls were strategic, especially early on. Um, it looked like we had what we would call a game plan coming into this thing of how to attack this defense. <laughs> and, you know, it, we'll say it this way. I mean, I know the, the criticism we have is not not going away from the game plan if it's not working, but in this case – Game plan was was damn good against what what this defense likes to do. Working the intermediate intermediate routes, working in some screens, kind of softening them up where they couldn't just stack the box and tee off on the running game. And then once once they had to kind of honor that, we got cooked. And you know it was it was a great day all around, man. And, and big shout out to Hendon Hooker for after playing the worst game of his career, bouncing back with that stat line, man. Unbelievable. And you talk about the game plan, Brian. The game plan was great. The play calling was great. The execution was great, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And you talk about opening up that run game. That run game was again dominant. We got him to the stats and the wideouts. So Khalil, just keep doing what he's doing. 21 carries, 147 yards, a touchdown, a seven yards a carry. Um, Blackshear helping him stay fresh. Blackshear today, he got seven carries, 34 yards at 4.9. The mag- He was right at the magic number of five as a whole team, Brian. 283 yards, five and a half a carry. Um, I have a feeling the way we ran the ball in all the different ways we ran the ball you like today as an offensive lineman. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. The, uh, the offensive line definitely was, was feasting today and we said it had to happen. And, you yep. know, once, once we kind of got some ideas that some of their defensive players are going to be out, we was like, all right, well, offensive line needs to eat today. And, and they definitely, they, they took advantage of that and did, did what they needed to do. Um, love the energy from the interior of the offensive line. Um, love that the tackles responded after their rough game last week. Um, Brock had a really good game today, watching him uh, specifically uh, throughout the day. He was he was neutralizing the nose, getting guys where they needed to be. 
Um, got the nose frustrated there towards the end. Got a got a free fifteen burger that next play we we take for a touchdown. So and on the fifteen burger, it happens and Darius all there's like got him, got him, got him. <laughs> that that's brought going to the whistle and like just passed and then letting the defender get frustrated. You know, throw a little op- open punch there, and yep. you know, Brock did a great job of flopping there, and I loved it. So, <laughs> well done, Brock Hoffman. And as I said, next play, um, uh, a play I hadn't really seen us do a whole lot, man. It was a uh, little jet sweep counter to Herbert, and Smith just pulls around on that counter and seals the edge. And the only guy there is the safety, and he came in at a bad angle, and Herbert ran for a touchdown. He did. That Lytica Smith play, you, you pointed it out to me, and you said, look at this. Lytica's, and Lytica's is just killing the guy, and Gallo adds you know, punishment to it, throws a shoulder in there, and they just the, – the, the poor linebacker was dead. The poor outside line was it? No, that was that the safety on the outside. That was the safety that came with the fill. Oh, okay. But because of how they seal the edge, like he was in no man's land, and Herbert had such a good uh, area to just cut it straight up the field instead of getting to the edge. And then Herbert does what he does when that happened, and it yeah. was absolutely awesome. And, and, and Brian, I mean, you talked about you know, that play, but name the other plays that you saw, because you've told me, but I want the, uh, the fans to listen and give them roughly about when it happened, because it was, it wasn't just, you know, tell them all the plays you saw. I mean, so we saw uh, on the red zone touchdown that uh, for Hendon Hooker, um, we saw a jet sweep and we had criticized the jet sweep in the red zone, but what what did it do this time? It wasn't just a, inverted veer jet sweep handoff it was actually a read which brian siegler <laughs> said it should be a read every time it should never just be a jet sweep yeah it, it, it's a it's a true inverted veer and not just a jet sweep handoff to the wide receiver and and then had a wide open lane right up the the middle just off the right off the left guard i mean oh yeah touchdown um but it, he, but it set up something. And going on after that, you know, that terrible ending to the first half, we come out, we drive, we hit big stone gap down the middle. And what do they do this time, Brian? Not a fan of it, but if, but if you're showing the fake, we run a jet sweep to trade. Yep. What did those linebackers do for a split second? Oh, they hesitated, man. And what happened? All of a sudden, got the edge. Inside. Touchdown to after getting knocked down right at the end of the half, we counterpunch and get back up 14. Yep. And, you know, know, we saw that. We also saw later where it was just, um, you know, this one looked more like a true, it was just a true jet sweep, but it was in the kind of the middle of the field area where that's that's a good call. And that one went to Tavion Robinson. And he took that one for 28 yards. Yeah. That was his lone run, and it was such, and it lifted again. And it was location of that play was so important because, again, how we had passed the ball too. We hit some intermediates, so if you go jet fake and you know Trey's running a little drag behind it, one of the, it's the linebackers. You, you you've told me before they have to think. 
yeah. they see jet motion, they're not immediately going to it. They're like, wait a second, where's the guy behind me? In that case, we make a perfect alley. Takes right up there for a massive gain. And we had also done some of that uh, earlier in the down, We whether it was the inverted veer to the running back or whether it was a, a quarterback sweep. We had shown that quarterback action to the right, and then we had that one throwback to Gallo. Um, yep. They got us some good yards on the, when we needed a, a third and short. Um, so, that, I mean, like I said, everything was – it just – it felt like the calls were setting themselves up, and it, it made sense. And that, that's something that we just <laughs> – Sometimes I, it frustrates us. <laughs> and 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 I, I I like it. I mean I'm, I'm I'm I have very little criticism to throw at Brad Cornelson's feet this week, so that's a win in my book. Oh, oh no, a hundred percent. The the game plan was great. The play calling was excellent today. Um, there are two more drives I want to hit on Brian before we flip over to defense. Well, discuss one bad trait and then flip over to defense. Um. The, we, we talked, there were three in total. The first one we just discussed, the trade touchdown. The other one was after we stopped them down in the red zone on fourth down. That drive, 14 plays, 84 yards, over seven minutes, 11 runs, two passes. Now, we only get a field goal to go up 31-14. But what that helped do was sort of, A, it shrunk their clock from like, you know, like 11 minutes to like, they had four. Yep. They had very little time to do anything. And, you know, that's those sort of drives you need in the middle of these type games when you know this offense that can score quickly is just to take a ton out and say, you're going to have to score quickly. Because you're going to have to score quickly and you're going to have to score touchdowns. Exactly. Because at that point, you can still get a field goal and then get another touchdown and win the game. Now you need two touchdowns. and that So that was key on, key there, um, getting to 34-21 uh, at that point. Um, you know, we, we had that good drive to get, uh, to, get, to get going there. So then, you know, they, they did some good things on offense, but we, yeah. we seemed to always have an answer um, when we got the ball back. So I liked seeing that. Um, oh, consistently yeah. across the board, man. It just, you know, yeah. we we had our, our lulls here and there, particularly on, um, I'm going to go ahead and say it, man, third down. <laughs> when we got to third down, it wasn't pretty. And, and it was mostly mostly execution, man. It, it wasn't necessarily bad calls or anything like that. We no. had we had some just, you know, miss a block here or overthrow <laughs> there. I mean, it, was, it, it, was, it wasn't like a, a big deal, but. We didn't get to very many third downs, which which helped the game. We only had seven the whole night, so that tells you, you know, we were ahead of the sticks pretty much the whole game. Yeah, one for seven on third down, one for one on four, two for eight on those critical downs. Um, but it has to get better. It yeah. has to get better. Um, but but I think today, we we you know we we know it needs to get better. But today, what we saw were the right plays were in there for those play calls. You talk about execution. And I would prefer, this is me as a common fan, I would prefer it to be that way. Because when I see a bad play call, it's like, well, what are we thinking here? We're defeating ourselves before we even run the play. 100%. And you're defeating the confidence of your guy. At least on those good plays, you can say, 
hey, uh, Doug, right here, you missed the punch. You hit that punch, the hole's there, we get a first down. Yeah. Versus, Coach, you know, we, we kind of executed this play okay. We should have got a first down. It was where you called it on the field. I'm sure the kids don't say that, but I'm sure it's thinking them through their head. So, yeah, definitely, you know, Frank Cornelison redeems himself in a in somewhat. But what we see, and me and you talked about it, Brian, a while ago. The BC game in this game. Yep, we didn't pass the ball much, but the passes were early and it made them think. Yep. To where the rest of the offense just got to open. Versus the weight game, they didn't have to think. We were taking deep shots and we were running to their strength. And there are the two differences from winning two games, one by over 20, one by a touchdown. So that's what it's irritating. This is a classic example of just calling to your strength and seeing what happens instead of trying to outthink the room. And that, that, that's all I'm really saying, man. I mean, that I is. feel like this. <laughs> don't outthink the room. Yeah. Loosen don't outthink the room and, and don't think that, hey, we, we've got to we've got to do this because, you know, it, it, it covers X, Y, and Z. Just lean on your strength, but make sure that you're making calls that are going to allow your strength to succeed. And I think we, we finally saw that. And, and it was nice to get back to that because after the, the weight game, you know, there was there was some, some chatter like, oh, well, you know, if you can take away outside zone, you can slow us down. And, yeah, well, maybe, but. <laughs> not so much, not so much. Now, Brian, let's flip it over to the defense here. Um, yeah, the defense had its ups and downs today, but. When playing an offense with the type of speed that Louisville's weapons have, um, you know, especially the elite guys, and then their compliments, the three, you know, two of the guys we just hit name-wise, one of the guy you broke down who scored a touchdown today. Um, we came out fired up. They stayed fired up. We were popping Louisville. We were getting sacks early, tackles for loss. Now, that domination did not carry the whole game, but – there were pivotal plays made throughout, getting them behind the chains, tackles for losses, stalemating them, giving them one-yard gains, preventing them from going to the second level. And I'm going to say this, uh, looking kind of at the run defense first, to have somebody like Cunningham at quarterback and then having Hawkins in the backfield, when I look at the stats and I see 198 yards, it makes me kind of hang my head. It's like, cheesy, they, they got to us. But then when I take out, wait a second, he had that 190-yard run into the first half, almost a will killer. A lot of teams would have just laid down and said, cheesy, they, we dominated the first half, and they're down a touchdown. We didn't. And when I take that run out, they had 108 yards total run. Yep. And you talked about it on things, prevent him from getting to the second level. Well, that was really the only time he got to the second level the entire game. There might be one or two other spots, but significantly getting to the second level. You take out that 108, on the other 28 carries, they averaged 3.9 a carry. I'll take that all day against that team with that speed. Yep. Um, and then you, you, you called it 
Pivotal player, key player number one was Tisdale. Hell of a game for him. Nine total tackles, including two for loss. What did you see not only from him, but the entire defense, especially against the run, especially those two guys? So they were they were using him a lot to do several things. Um, it looks like they were having him shadowing Hawkins at times. Sometimes they were having him spy Cunningham. They had him out in coverage. Um, we, we mixed it up. We weren't just doing one thing the whole game. And I think that was probably really a good game plan because it confused the offense. They didn't know where he was going to be. They didn't know what we were going to be doing. So we, we mixed things up a lot where they really couldn't get settled in, especially in the first half, man. I mean, if you look at the first half numbers, they did a damn good job. Take away that that 90 yarder with four seconds left that, you know, ended up closing out the half, um, you know, know, once the run was completed there. So, you know, hats off to the game plan that came in here. I mean, you know, you don't like 35 points and some of those things, a couple big plays could have made a difference though. And, and, and held really, you know, held them to a pretty respectable number, um, for, for our defense there. And, they made stops when they had to, and I think we we did enough across the board on defense to get the win. So I, I like I like what I saw. Um, definitely some areas to clean up. Um, oh, definitely. Didn't tackle as well as I would have liked. Um, I think we did we did a good enough job against them, but there were some missed tackles, a couple on like key key third downs, that ended up keeping the uh, the offense on the field and the defense getting a little winded there, but. Yeah, I like what they did to set the tone of the day, and I feel like that was big. Jumping out to that lead was big for us. Oh yeah, and and when when we can play with the lead, we're a damn a damn hard team to beat. Yeah, hundred percent. You, you're right. When we when we are ahead, it, it lets him mix the blitzes in. It helps him mix the coverages up. Um, you mentioned the things doing with Tisdale. It, it lets him do different things with different guys, which really Offenses can't start keying. They have to start again. They have to start overthinking. And if they're not overthinking, they're like, "Well, we just need to do basic. We need to be basic. Let's see if we can execute some plays because we don't know what they're doing with certain players." With Tisdale, there was one play: the 90-yard touchdown run. He lost his leverage. If he just moves to the side and continues to run, but he kind of got there like he wanted to square up and tackle Hawkins, and Hawkins went right over to the sideline and went up. Yep. You know, in that case, you've told me before, in that case, like, he's just got to get him to turn him back in. Like, like, screw it. You want to turn back in early, that's fine. But if you get on the sideline, people got a lot further to go. Other than that, great. Everything with Tisdale. Um, Now, Brian, I'm going to let you toot your horn a little bit. On the preview, you said if we force how many turnovers? Dose. We will win this game. Well, buddy, we got three. Tamari Connor, Taylor, and for Halloween especially, the heavenly devil himself gets one on a really <laughs> funky play that made sense because of his name and an A.B. in Halloween. Um, those three guys also combined for 21 tackles today, Tamari leading the way. Um, I want to give the entire defense Huge props for keeping Tutti that well at bay. Um, you know, we let Fitzpatrick get by on that one. And we said they had some good compliments. 
Yep. Um, and he got the big one. But, Brian, you take that huge play out of the equation against this team. And a lot of people hate me doing it. I've been told, like, why are you doing that? I'm like, because it's, it's reasons why I do it. Their pass per completion goes down from 15 to 12 because they had no other completion longer than 25 yards all night. Pass per attempt goes from 10 to 7.8. So roughly about three yards for both, right? When you pass over 30 times and you take out the big play and you lose three yards, Brian, about how many yards is that when you're looking at 34 passes? Let's see. Make math. Math at midnight. Come on. <laughs> math at 130, whatever, whatever time it is now. What, uh, what's the math, man? <laughs> it's 100 yards. That's 10 yards lost because you're not continuously hitting the big play. You can't keep that high average up. When it starts becoming lower, it's like, say what you want to say. He keeps that average up. It's a tie game or potentially them winning tonight. It's true. It's true. I mean, you know, and what else did you see from the defense wise, you know, in coverage in, um, you know what? Let's talk about that big play. Okay. Because I know you diagnosed that and what you saw on it. That's a blown coverage. I, I still haven't decided if it was going to be Murray or Taylor that had the wrong assignment there. I think it was Murray. It looked like he probably should have been in kind of a press bail. Um, and he ended up pressing. And then it almost looked like he realized at some point that his responsibility was deep and he was chasing on that play. Um, you know, Taylor started kind of at the 35 yard or 30, 30 yard line and was kind of around the 34 in terms of his, his zone depth there. So unless he was completely playing the wrong coverage, uh, that should have been Murray's the whole way, but you know, it's not a whole lot to say. It's definitely a blown coverage. Um, some, someone played the incorrect responsibility, in whatever that call was, and you know, you let a good player like Fitzpatrick get behind you, and all of a sudden it's a you know what eighty some yard score. So absolutely. So what else did you see from the you know the the past defense today? I mean, seemed like maybe Justice Reed looked healthier. Amari Barno was growing by leaps and bounds, and looked like we were putting some. Uh, different guys on the inside there, Brian. Yeah, so I think Crawford and Fuga was a good combination today on the inside. 130 pounds of mass is what Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, other than the one play, we pretty much kept a damn dynamic running back and a elusive quarterback at bay. Um, You know, they they would have had a good game, but not a great game, save for that that 190-yarder there, which – really wasn't on the defensive line at all. So um, great game by Reed, as you said. I mean, he looked like the player we saw against NC State. So I don't know if he's just been a little banged up or, or what the last few weeks, but he looked more like the player we saw early in the season um, this week. So it was good to see him kind of back in that groove. And Barno continues looking more and more like a three-down player every week. Yes, he does. And that uh, you love to see that. I mean, first couple games, I mean, he kind of looked lost when he was in, uh, if they were rushing the ball. 
or if yeah. they were using misdirection in the passing game, like he looked, he looked lost. If you gave him one read and that's go after the quarterback, he's looked great. But the last, like probably two to three games, he's really kind of turned a corner um, between, I guess, the reps he's getting to practice and seeing stuff on in, on game and everything like that. I mean, he's taking it to the next level. So uh, my hat's off to Amari Barno for really coming on and being the player that we ultimately need um, coming down the stretch here in the season as we're kind of going over the hump of the uh, of the halfway point here in the season. Now, other other guys that had a great game, uh, Devon Diablo played yeah. his ass off. Always does. Making good good plays in the running game, coming up and filling, making tackles um, where he needed to be in the passing game, coming up, making hits on guys, making tackles when they did complete the ball. The entire secondary did a great job of keeping Tutu Atwell in front of them. Now, like I said, we, we had the one where we let uh, Fitzpatrick get deep on us, but Tutu Atwell had a good game and had some opportunistic con- conversions on third downs, mm-hmm. but we didn't let him beat us with one play. No, we, 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 we didn't let him beat us with one play, which was big. Again, give credit to the back end, which we, we, we saw and we heard something this week, and it looks like it's sticking true. Devin Taylor is the rover now. And give him a lot of credit um, for coming in, potentially being a corner, and now taking over a start safety role. Shows his intelligence as a player, which was discussed when he came in. Like, this guy's a smart player. And I'm going to say the same thing about Amari Barno. Because you made the point, Brian, that with Barno, what, he played like nickel in high school, and then he played like a backer-type position in JUCO, and now he's being asked to go to defensive end, which, you know, I'm going to say something. And, And I didn't say this when we were getting this ready a little while ago. Who is the coach that would best help a guy understand how moving position helps? Because he uh, did it was, not once, he did it two times. Probably Justin Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Think about having a coach who saying, hey, Devin, I know we brought you in to be corner, but listen, your coverage skills, your body type, we need you to play this boundary, safety, rover position. You're a good tackler, but we're going to more zone concepts. And today when he made his interception, he was in the perfect third zone when we made that hit. If he's not in his correct zone, that's not a pick. Yep. It was an easy pick for him. And he's had two of those now where he's essentially in the right zone, made the right read, especially on that Jerkovich where the guy broke off and he saw Jerkovich throw it. He knew he needed to avoid his zone and he went down. This one, he's right there, perfect zone, ball kind of floats, he gets it. Yep. A lot of times, you know, half the battle is being where you need to be to make yep. a play. And we were there many times today. Um, and, again, I was wrong. I was wrong. I got nervous towards the end there when we were kicking field goals. Though, sitting here, I'm like, is it going to be like 42, 41, 42, 38? Because <laughs> we kicked some damn field goals. Luckily, we didn't. Luckily, we didn't. I liked I liked the closeout drive. Ultimately, it still came a little bit closer than we wanted to at the end there, with a couple of uh, onside kicks needed to to really seal things up there. But you know, yeah. ultimately, we 
we made the plays when we need to. We got the late touchdown on that Herbert uh, counter, and the defense did everything that they needed to do to kind of close it out. Yeah. Well, defense did, but special teams did today as well. Let's yeah. Real quick, Brian Johnson bangs two more through, comes over that little hurdle from missing a couple back last weekend. But those onside kicks, I'm watching this with my father-in-law and brother-in-law. That might be three of the most perfect onside kicks. The one they screwed up where they would have got the ball because they waited too long because they couldn't decide where they want to go. The other three, I mean, that you feel like if an NFL team sees the way that kid kicked it, they would be like, I don't care if he puts it through the end zone. Can he do that a few times a year? Yeah. But – they got zero because of a couple guys. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to – big shout-out to uh, Big Stone Gap. He was right where he needs to be. And then uh, was it was it Robinson that was on – that grabbed hey. the last one? Yep, Hey Robinson, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like the way we kind of schemed up those onside kicks because they were showing – essentially a, a three-way read of, of which way they were going to kick it. So we had kind of the little little mini wall to the right with the, with the guy that you know is going to be designated to get the ball, and then we had the two guys in the middle. So we were having to play honest all the way across the field on, for those onsides, and we did a good job of, uh, of, of doing that. And you know, I don't know if there wasn't that – delay timeout situation if we wouldn't have been where we needed to be on that because it looked like they were they were going full speed and we had already kind of already realized the, the whistle was blown so, the whistle was blown and they the, the Hokies just kind of stopped and that's when they got it. I just saw the replay of it and you can even see it because James Mitchell's walking by the guy like he blew the whistle what what are you doing um yeah because James didn't really react once the ball no, was getting no, no. and then that told me I was like okay yeah well they Either he knew it was a flag or or a timeout. Something yeah. was something that stopped the action there. So, absolutely, Brian. Um, looking around here, don't look at our picks this week. Ike's, I'm one and six. You went two and five. Um, <laughs> worst week of the season for both of us. Worst um, week of the season for both of us by far. Um, you know. I got it. I got uh, Auburn LSU right there. That, that's did. the difference in the. <laughs> that that was the difference, and it was Auburn taking somebody behind the woodshed, not LSU. Um, Oklahoma State kind of choked their game away. I mean, in the fourth quarter with the lead. Uh, you know, Ohio State. I, I, I'm gonna say it. I, 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 I've said it to some people. The amount of talent Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State have, it's 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 why they're so far ahead. Penn State played their hearts out tonight, and they lost by 13. It is it's essentially a talent gap between them and then the next probably seven or eight teams. Would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, in in the day, Clemson, oh, Trevor Lawrence has COVID. I almost took that one off. I almost said we shouldn't count it because if it, we had heard COVID 23 and a half, we'd have been like, no, Boston College. So we've seen Boston College. They can hang in this game if Trevor's not there to kind of get up on them early. But this is where it 
you see the differential in the classes. Do you know who was who started today for Clemson? You know where his rank was last year? What you got? He was the number one quarterback in the country as of coming out. <laughs> and you sit here and say, well, why are they so good? Because it's talent stacked on top of talent, stop on top of talent. That kid played an okay game. He had some things that didn't look great, you know. But but he showed he could sling it. Yes. He showed he's <laughs> athletic. He's, he's six five. He's a big kid. And when you when, when there's a team that can do that, and it's a freshman, not a transfer, JUCO, you know, or not a transfer player, or somebody's been in your system three years, because guess what? They can go recruit other spots. They can say, well, we've got this kid here, we've got this kid, and we've got this kid. It's true, man. And, again, that's why I say there should be a draft. <laughs> because <laughs> the disparity amongst college football is, again, between the top, top. You either have to have a revolutionary change in force or you have to recruit well and then a few diamonds in the rough have to come. Well can we talk about Penn State having you know stacking top fifteen classes and still losing to IU and barely being competitive against Iowa State? Yeah. There's there's some stuff there. And somebody can say you could say they had their eyes last week to this week and it screwed them, screwed the pooch. But that's a coaching job. Yeah, that is a coaching staff that is ill preparing their players. Um, hey, what about the team up in Ann Arbor, stacking yeah. ten classes, and legitimately today there was one guy that beat them. They refused to. It was the. It, it, you watched the Ohio State game last year, right? When they yep. got just torched. They got torched last year because they wouldn't come out of man or give help over the top. To where this is what happened to him today. I'm sitting here watching him like, if you just put a safety over the top, the guy can't throw that way. Never put a safety over the top. Like, and again, that's that's on the defensive coordinator, that's on the head coach to say, listen, you need to do something. Because they weren't looking any other way. I think the guy's name was Naylor, who had like 200 yards, which is insane. Yeah, they were just um, saying, we're going to chuck it up to this guy. He's been open more than not. And if, if, if we lose, win or lose, we at least go in with our strength. We're going with our strength. Because at one point in time, the average per completion was like 26 and a half. And the average per attempt was like 20. Crazy. <laughs> like, oh, Crazy. shit. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? Now, you know, we're just going to throw it deep. If he catches it, great. If he doesn't, we're going to throw it deep again. So, um, let me ask this. Tom Herman save the job today, or does he have to keep winning? I think he still has to keep winning, man. I mean, I think that was a that was a good win for them. It, it, it absolutely had to happen um, for Herman to really, I think, have any chance of coming back because at least now they still can say, okay, well, we're in the hunt, <laughs> as it were. Um, whereas before they were going to be pretty much almost a lost season situation. So absolutely. Um, good, good for Texas. If you're a Texas fan, um, 
you know, I, I thought Okie State was going to have a better showing, and they came out good and then just kind of let it go Not down hard. by the wayside at the end. And you can't let a team with talent come back when you got your you know, chance to put your foot on the throat. Absolutely. Last piece we'll touch non hokey related, but ACC related. UVA pulls the upset against UNC. Anger level now with that game run. Man, okay, so let, <laughs> let's let's go ahead and we're, we're gonna have a little small vent session here. I hate our losses more than I love our wins right now. It's true. Because both games could have easily been W's for us. We could easily be undefeated right now. And I'm, I know people hate coulda, woulda, shouldas. But, yeah, it's 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 out there. It's on the tape. I mean, we were the more talented team against Wake and lost. And if we made the correct call at starting quarterback against UNC and clean up a couple things, that's a W. And then... You know, with safeties out in that game, that that was the wild card factor there, obviously. But, you know, yeah. when we look at everything else, man, I mean, UNC was still winnable despite starting the wrong quarterback, despite not having our two starting safeties. Wake was still winnable despite just Terrible an error-prone like day on offense combined with the calling of the game. And, you know, it, it's like I said, it's more frustrating than anything. And... You know, kudos to UVA for for pulling it out there at the end. I'm actually not that mad about UVA no. winning because no. UNC losing still keeps us mathematically in the hunt for the ACC championship game. Um, we yep. still need some help from Notre Dame or Clemson down the road. At, you know, as we're going forward, um, the chances of Notre Dame got a little bit smaller because it looks like Lawrence is going to be probably out for Notre Dame. So yep. we'll see if, if week two for that quarterback, they can be more consistent early in the game. Because that was really the thing that I think hurt Clemson today was just being inconsistent on offense to start the game. They were getting yards, but they weren't getting it, getting yards at the clip they are used to. Yeah. And once they kind of settled in, they were able to just kind of – brute force a win and I don't know if they'll be able to do that against Notre Dame. Um so we'll see. Um that, that you know as long as the, as Clemson gets a win there, you know, we still have a pretty good chance of you know potentially running the table and uh and making things interesting there. We're going to be Clemson fans next week to get Notre Dame the one then we're going to become North Carolina fans in about 3 weeks when they play Notre Dame. Yep. And then if we can continue to win we're going to take care. We're going to wipe out a few other people. And then December, you know, yeah. let's, let's, let's get, let's, let's go torch Liberty next week. And then let's start that tough stretch down. Yep. Um, the hopes there, the play we saw today gives us that hope. Um, so yeah. All right. Anything else that's come through the wire here? I cannot see Twitter at the moment. So I'll let you make sure nothing <laughs> come down or, I haven't seen anything crazy, man. Um, you know, I think we are good to go. We got we're about 13 minutes away from our clocks, you know, rolling back to one o'clock. One o'clock again, so <laughs> that'll be nice to see. It's awesome, man. Well, <laughs> um, how did the food turn out? 
Oh, you're smoking tomorrow, I'm guessing. If you did pizza tonight, you must be smoking tomorrow. I'm smoking tomorrow, yeah. We were over the neighbors tonight. So. Very nice, man. Very, yeah. very nice. Oh, well, yeah. That is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Check us out on Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear the feedback. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us out. Check him on Spotify and Apple Music. And as always, let's go. Okie.